This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Jordan, and welcome into episode 128 of Half Measures. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Daniel Whiting King. Kia ora, Dan. How are you? Kia ora, Paul. I am doing very well. Thank you. How about yourself? I'm all right. I do feel a little bit like a kid who hasn't done his homework, and now I'm sitting down and this is the exam, which is not a feeling that you want to have coming into a podcast, but I, uh, I've been a bit slack this week, Dan. Look, you know what that means, Paul? As soon as someone says they've been slack on the podcast, that means we're in for a, a an hour and a half chat yeah. about probably not much. We'll, find, we'll <laughs> so, find something to talk about somewhere along the way. But this week has been a busy football week with the Women's European Championships, of which England won. You're playing in that? Is that, is that what's taking all your time? <laughs> the Women's European Championships won by England. The first trophy won by England then since 1966. So there's been a lot of football watching and I've been studying. So I haven't been doing as much watching as usual. That's my excuses. You're a busy boy. That's my excuses. I'm bringing it. I'm sticking with it. You know what? I'll, I'll give you a pass. I'm sure we'll be able to cobble together something for the podcast. I'm sure you've got heaps on your plate, Dan. So do you want to do you want to dive in and tell us what you got? All right, all right, all right. So uh, the first thing I've got for you is a movie, Paul. Now... Let me just tell you, I was Rochambeau'd into this movie, and I knew what? it wasn't going to be good. I was Rochambeau'd into it. I, know. Like I, was, I was bullied into it. I'm going to have to Google that. So, l- let me set the scene. So, uh, my wife has just been been on a, on a trip to Melbourne. She half watches a movie over somebody's, like, you know, through the seats, through the gap in the seats. And she's like, oh, I think we should watch this movie. It looks pretty good jump on um you know a few a few sites i can already tell this is not going to be good I've, <laughs> I've never heard of this movie it's called ambulance so it came out um it came out this year uh it's a michael bay movie it stars jake gyllenhaal and then it largely stars uh i don't want to be offensive to anyone in the movie but you know um, not necessarily a huge cast of people that i i know a lot about and it's got a lot of a lot of characters. So the basic premise of this movie is two robbers steal an ambulance after a heist goes wrong. And it kind of, it, the way it was pitched to me was, ah, oh, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be one of those movies. It's mostly in an ambulance. And then I was like, but Michael Bay, like <laughs> it's all explosions. And, and Michael Bay goes literally over the top on drone footage here like every second shot is like a a sweeping drone shot a drone going through a car park a a drone doing a flip and if it if it wasn't for jake gyllenhaal i think this movie would have gone straight to the you know the the seven day rental section of the, of the dvd <laughs> store like he's kind like between him and michael bay like they're, they're kind of the, the big draw card and it's i'm pro- i'm being overly hard on it the concept of the movie is kind of fun, but it is way too long. It's two hours 16. And so basically what happens is Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal and his, um, and his brother basically go on this heist. His, his brother's a returning veteran, doesn't really want to get into the sort of life of crime. Basically through a, a two-minute conversation, decides to give Jake Gyllenhaal a hand as it said in the description, the heist goes wrong. Next minute, they're kind of using an ambulance to get away. There's someone, a shot cop in the ambulance. There's a paramedic who kind of, um, you know, has kind of lost faith in her job and, you know, has to sort of find her way again. There's kind of a, a loose kind of allegiance that kind of forms between all four people in the ambulance. But it's kind of like, you know, in, in the movie Speed, mm. and it's like you've just got to keep the bus above 50, 50 miles per hour. It's the same thing here. Like this ambulance is like just smashing through things. It's like doesn't get stuck in traffic jams. It's doing like high speed maneuvers. There's all sorts of like police and federal agents trying to stop it, and they're constantly introducing these kind of new characters. Like they're gonna kind of be a big deal, but they're kind of not. And it's like it actually stars um one of our mates yep. from Fear the Walking Dead. And he kind of plays a a bit of a a cool guy cop. And 
I don't know, Paul, this, it wasn't great. I was constantly looking at my watch. I was glad it ended. And I'll tell you, this is what really gets me, really grinds my gears, is that we had to pay for it. We had to buy this on iTunes. Like, we had to hire it for like $7. And it's just like, I was like, we should just wait. Let's just wait till this comes out and then we'll, I'll watch it with you then. But no, she was, she was committed. Um, she's going to listen to this podcast and I'm going to be in big trouble for saying all of these <laughs> That's things. Right. But this, this was not, uh, it wasn't even a good, like, look, just pop it in neutral, have some popcorn, go for a good time. Like it, it was too too long-winded for what it is. Like I honestly don't know how you do a, a heist movie that's kind of filmed 90%, maybe 80% in ambulance, to a 16. Out of control. Um, well, two things. Firstly, I can't believe I didn't know what Rochambeau was. I've had the Google it. We're looking at paper, rock, scissors, essentially. Um, secondly, I'd love to know the motivations of the executive producer as to why feeling so strongly about this because for me for my money like you michael bay i put a little pin in six underground because i had some fun with that one but with that with the exception of that i think i have to go all the way back to 2005's the island with ewan mcgregor scarlett johansson before i think he's directed a decent one look let's just say i didn't marry the patreon producer for her choice in movies that's fair comment it's look <laughs> I'm I'm gonna regret this. But she has some questionable choices at times. And to be fair, she probably thinks a lot of my movies are questionable as well. Like we've got quite different tastes when it comes to these things. And you know, I when I watch the movies like this, I know I'm gonna come on the podcast. And it kind of is almost better content when you've got a bit of a an average movie because you can really kind of go to town on it. But I feel like the budget was probably pretty big on this. I imagine they probably had a lot of fun kind of making it. And, it, you know, Michael Bay, let's explode everything we can and go as over the top as we can. But it's, I think it just really lacked the story. And I honestly, for the third time, I just can't believe they didn't cut more out of this film. Like if they kind of got it down to an hour 30 or something, it might have been a sort of fun popcorn yeah. movie. But two hours 16, you're joking. Two hours 16, too many characters. Shame that, yeah, because... Garrett Dillahunt from Fair the Walking Dead is is awesome. Um, this is coming in at 6 out of 10, which I guess on the R scale translates to about 2.2 guns out of the four. Is that a fair reflection? Uh, the, the point two is probably a generous. I'd, I'd probably, it's probably about a 1.5 for me. It would be a very generous two. Like that kind of says that it'll be middle of the road. And I think it's it's just not quite there, I think. And it's a shame because like Jake Kilinhoe, I think, is, you know, he's quite a fun yeah. actor. I think he does he does some good stuff. And as I say though, without him though, like you can tell the budget went to Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael Bay, and then the effects team. Everything else is kind of just cream on the top. Well, Anything else to report this week other than Ambulance? Uh, I do have uh, a TV series I've finished. Oh, yeah? So so if you know, just so Ambulance, if you, if you do want to check it out, you can hire it on uh, iTunes, but I would highly encourage you to wait till it appears on a, a streaming network. It makes sense just to wait, Dan. Uh, it makes sense just to wait, right? I want my money back. Um, so the TV show that I've watched is a, a prime video TV show and I have watched season three of The Boys so The Boys is a, such a, a fun TV show I've talked about it quite a bit on the pod I think I've talked about um, the previous two seasons the third season is no no exception I think the one thing I did which I think was good this time is I waited until we had the whole whole season mm-hmm. out and I also avoided any trailers or clips like The Plague because for season two, I felt like, they, and they did this again this year, they really hammer out the sort of funny scenes as little clips, particularly on Instagram. And I just like, I I really went into lockdown, Paul, so I didn't see any of them. So the whole show was just a, a fun experience. And I feel like I've got such a, like, I don't know what it is. It's just that probably that Kiwi pride. I feel like because the boys has Carl Urban yeah. and Anthony Starr, and it's just like, oh, these, this is the New Zealand boys, you know, this is this is it. So it's always great to see them back, I think. Anthony Starr as Homelander has just, honestly, he has had his peak in this season. He's so much fun. He's such a sociopath. He's, he's, he's unhinged Superman, if you can imagine, right? Like he's literally 
one wrong comment away from annihilating everyone in his path. <laughs> um, Carl Urban also just like such an, another fan, fantastic character. But this season also introduces quite a few, uh, I guess, new new heroes and, and new characters. And I guess one in particular is, um, where is his name? It's just escaping me here. Um, a guy called Soldier Boy. And um, he's kind of like a, a Captain America type character, right. paid by uh, Jason Nicholson, I, I believe. And it's kind of, the whole sort of season's kind of based around, we need to get this guy in, we need him to help us bring down Homelander because everyone kind of knows that Homeland, he's got too much power. Um, there's, a, there's a new entity set up to help sort of manage all these kind of superheroes. There's all these kind of side stories. You've got the the boys, which is Carl Urban and his crew, who start taking this uh, special, uh, they call it Compound V. Basically, it gives you like temporary superpowers. They start doing that. That gives them powers to go and fight people like, like Homelander. It's this season, Paul, completely over the top. Some genuine um, laugh out loud, super gross scenes, some highly sort of memeable stuff. It's such a a fresh take on on superheroes, and I actually think it's one of the not necessarily rare, but one of the shows where I actually think the TV show is almost more fun than the graphic novel for me. Ah, oh, right. I was not aware that you were into the graphic novel as well. Yeah, like it's been. Um, it's been a while since I've checked it out, but this this really just like I think they've just done such a great job with the characters. I think they're really doing something fun with the story. I like it's not all just pure kind of like superhero stuff that's happening. Like it's it's it really is about the the lives of these heroes. How you know they kind of have the you know same emotions that are you know everyone would have, and you know, Homelander in particular, like he wants to be loved, he wants to be respected, yeah. and sometimes he'll just sort of you know someone will heckle him or something and he might kind of laser beam them or something and he'll be like oh god that's it my career's done but people actually cheer him on and they love it and he's kind of just discovering this whole other personality where the more real and kind of true to himself he is the more he's loved as a as a person it's honestly a wonderful series it's a lot of fun it's kind of gross at times yeah but it's amazing is is homeland was he the was which one was the son of I was just looking for her, the one from Cobra Kai. Where are we? Madeline Stillwell? Um, that was season the, one. Because I, I watched half of season not, one and there was Elizabeth Shue who played Madeline Stillwell and she yeah, had a, yeah. a son or someone who was – and it was the story was just very odd and that would kind of – Yeah, yeah. Not not sort of mother, but sort of a weird motherly relationship. Okay. You might that, it say was, it was his um, character with him. Okay, right. And I guess so. So in this season, so Homelander actually he does have a son, and they've already kind of started to position him as a potentially sort of a main character. Right. I think in the next season, but Homelander's got this son who kind of has the same powers as him, and he's trying to sort of really, you know, encourage him to use these powers. And then there's other people trying to keep the son away from him, and there's all these sort of politics around around how it all works. And I think it's very much a show. I think when I think back to season one. Um, probably weren't sure like is the show going to make it have we got sort of the has it has it got the legs and i think the where the show's gone in terms of both i think writing uh storytelling the the effects it's just it keeps building and building and building and it's 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 honestly it's such a fun watch i think i know you didn't quite make it through the first season but it's it, it is one i'd recommend going back there's, to. there's a few shows that you have sort of talked about and a couple that you sort of said oh you definitely want to get on board with this and of all the things of all the shows i think this is top of my list of the ones that i would want to come back to that, that you've talked about and you've watched um similarly uh billion similarly succession um oh, is that there's some there's things in that list but i know this one and i think i'm the same as you the the billy butcher character everyone's always talking about billy Butcher, you know carl urban's character where and how, how good he is um so it's it's definitely there. I mean, the ratings are so high. It's trending number three right now out of the top 250. And, yeah, it is it is great when you've got two New Zealanders as the lead. I, I love that. Yeah, no, definitely. And, it, it, you know, we've talked about this in other shows where 
uh, particularly as a New Zealander, sometimes it can feel a bit cringy hearing your own accent, yeah. and particularly sort of um, bigger American um, produced TV show. This is, I think, it's made in Canada, but it's it doesn't feel that way at all. And I think even online, you can just on all the sort of social media platforms, people just love Anthony Starr as Homelander. Like he's he's honestly he's so memeable right now, and it's there's so many great moments that. What I love about the IMDb page here, Dan, is it says, if you like Stranger Things, Umbrella Academy, Breaking Bad, Mandalorian, The Office, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, or Better Call Saul, you may like this. It's like all the signs are pointing to me <laughs> to, to, to get to get yeah, back amongst yeah. this, right? Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's... It- it's I, I could see why people might kind of a little bit like on season one be like, Oh, is this for me? But I think now that there's three seasons out, I just think there's there's so much goodness to get into. Being industry leaders in the podcasting world, Dan, I understand that we got access to a couple of scenes of this or um sort of some video footage early early on before the public did. Did you get amongst any of that when that came through or Well, I was I was going to, but it didn't have um all of the episodes and oh, so I think see. it went up to up to a certain point and I didn't want to have a big long lag between yep. you know watching the first five episodes and then wait for six weeks till I get okay. to watch the final three when it kind of catches up so I decided just to kind of hold off and you know watch it with the general public and you know I'm a little bit slow to be honest because this this has been out now for I think the final episode maybe a couple of weeks ago so but it's yeah it's uh this it's all the guns for me. It's just such a, a fun, different TV show. Can't I'm so glad it's renewed for another mm, season. And um, there's there's definitely some characters who are a bit kind of, you know, could do with a bit of a revamp. But like another great character, a guy who plays the deep. So the deep is you kind of think of him like an, an Aquaman type character. So he he communicates with um, uh, with the sea life, and there's just these like terrible scenes where uh the deep has sort of got this weirdly kind of sexual relationship with this octopus that he has in a tank and then homelander forces him to eat that octopus for dinner and it's (laughs) just there's there's so many messed up things and yeah it's and that's just the tip of the iceberg on this the first i think it's the first episode or there's i I can't even talk about on the pod it it would be so irated for me to kind of describe it uh, some of the things that happen in the season. And I think that's what I like about it. They really try to kind of push um, above and beyond. And I think they've really done a great job in sort of delivering that shock factor. Yeah. I think uh, my, no, I need the Carl Urban appeal, but the Carl Urban dialogue and the manner in which he delivers his dialogue is one of the main appealing factors to me in terms of why I would be uh, jumping on this one. I, uh, yeah, yep. I love the way I love the phrase you used a moment ago, where you said I decided to watch it with the general public. Yeah, it is so good of you to. It's like seeing Paul McCartney taking public transport. It's like I, 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 I decided to do it with the rest of the. Sometimes I come down from the ivory tower of the Half Measures podcast right. and just kind of you know I mingle with the fans. I get amongst it. Yeah. I, I see what they're watching on their platforms. I love it. I, I've never had anything that I watch going because in our inbox I saw the embargoed content, and I've always I'm, I'm keep waiting for something I'm watching to be. You know, but it doesn't happen. Not yet, anyway. One day, Paul. One day. But that is me, apart from our movie of the week. How about yourself? So I've got two movies uh, that I'm bringing in this week. Um, And the first one is a sequel to a movie I watched some time ago on the pod at the Convincing by Diana and You, uh, which was The Conjuring. And I watched The Conjuring uh, 2. Um, so the first one was 2013. This is 2016. And it's uh, Dan? Are you are you saying The Conjuring or The Conjuring? Don't, don't come at me with this conversation because I've had this conversation with Diana and I went onto Google and I pushed the button how to pronounce these words. And it's conjure as in, um, you know, if, I, if I'm going to go... Perf- the, the conjuring. If I'm going to go and perform on stage, I'm going to have to conjure up some courage. It's it's not conjure. And I all right, all right. Honestly, all but right. the fact that you're bringing it up as well is really worrying me because there's two people in a week that have, um, like I don't know, was not having a bar of it. It's like it's conjure, you idiot, and like <laughs> and I walked away, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, whatever it is, I'm just going to call this now part two, um, and. Yeah, so Patrick uh, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are back as uh, Lorraine and Ed Warren, 
And this time they traveled to North London to, to Enfield uh, to help a single mother raising four children alone in a house plagued by a supernatural spirit. And so, as always with this this series of movies, because there's another one coming, I think it's, there's another one now already, um, based on the true stories and the true files of these guys and the work that they did. And, you know, as I've said many times, it's not a, a genre I often choose to go into if you sort of discount science fiction horror, I never really choose horror, but I did enjoy that first one a lot. I really had a great time. So I was keen and I had another really great experience watching this one. I feel like this, 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 this universe, this, this specific conjuring <laughs> universe, whatever you want to call it is right up there alongside Blair Witch type for me in terms of, oh yeah, I, I, cause I just have a great time being scared sitting there and I have to admit what I find the most, the most compelling, the most scary and the most effective is actually just as always the quieter things, the smaller subtle things. So like a couple of spoilers, like, you know, there's like a, you see, there's a dark corner in a room and you know, something's there and you're just waiting. And we always have, you know, the curtains are drawn. It's, it's pitch black and we've got the volume pump right up. The, there's a toy fire engine that just rolls across the floor by itself. There is a there's a nun in this movie, and they've actually done a spin-off based on this nun that appears in a picture. And the nun's face is just absolutely terrifying. I put it right up there for the scariest thing on screen. Um, and again, it's less so when the nun is screaming right at you. It's more when it's just quiet and looking at you and just foreboding, and you're just waiting for it to do something. It's 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 an experience, you know, the whole thing. It's like going on a roller coaster, you know, as you get, as soon as you sit down, you know, you're going to be scared along the way. And that's the fun of it. I think this is probably my favorite, um, type of horror. Mm. Like I'm not a big, like, you know, we've talked about this before. I'm, I'm not a big horror, horror fan, but I think this, this is probably the, the genre, which I, I like that I, like it is going to scare me. I like that it is going to kind of sit with me for a long time. I like that I'm probably going to think about it um, for years to come. And I, like I've only watched the first um, Conjuring movie. And I, like I I haven't haven't done the, the follow-up yet. But I, I probably should. And hearing you talk about it, like such a great cast. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm I'm kind of intrigued by the story. I'm I'm in, like I am intrigued by by the nun. I've, I've kind of thought about watching that movie as well. Um, yeah, I think it's. I, I don't know why I'm not. I think because I don't like being scared. <laughs> it's um, it's the jumping and it's the fun. Uh, I would I'd say I don't know if I'd sit there and watch this by myself. Not to say that I'd be too scared to watch it by myself because I would not. But it is. I think it's the fun of being scared alongside someone else, particularly if the person you're sat with is even more scared than you. I think maybe that's it because I think, like, uh, Samara would never watch this movie, not in a million years. So the only way I'd be able to watch it would be, if I wanted to watch it with her, it would have to be, like, during the day with oh, the, yeah. you know, sun shining and she'd probably be sitting, like, beside me reading the book or something. So I'd still be scared, but I'd, I'd have some controls around I'd it. I'd pay good money to see Samara watching this at night. That would be, that would, that would be um, yeah, it's... Just to bring it back to my analogy, I, I wouldn't go on a roller coaster for many, many years. And this is when I lived in the UK and I had a, I had school trips going to like good theme parks like Alton Towers and all that. And I was, I was just too terrified. And now I love them. And I just look back and think, oh, I wish I'd done it. Um, yeah. I, <clears throat> this is really going off topic. I had one of those roller coaster experiences as a kid. The first time I went on a roller coaster and you know how the bar comes over, over your <laughs> chest. And like so you imagine like a young a young Daniel Whiting. And I didn't know that the bars locked down. I thought I had to hold it. And so we're on this I'm on this roller coaster with my dad. It's doing corkscrews and stuff. I'm literally like tears coming out of my eyes. I'm screaming. I'm like, ah, I can't hold the thing down. And it's like I it was just because I was too I think I was too little yeah. for it. And you know, it's hard to imagine, you know, I'm not too little for anything now. Um and it, it scared me for years. And it wasn't until sort of like, you know, probably about 10 years later, actually feeling comfortable with roller coasters again. Oh, I, I love that story. I remember when I did finally get into it, just I was always, 
I was at my most scared in the queue waiting to go on because I would be looking at the support railings that were holding the thing up and how much they would rattle and whatever. As And some of the roller coasters back in the day were wooden as well, you know, showing my age now. Yeah, and they right. really creaked and whatever. But um, hey, this is a real roller coaster experience for me and I, I enjoyed it. I would say it possibly wasn't quite as 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 a compelling story as the first movie. But I, I have to say, I thought that first movie was exceptional. And I think I still think this one is 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 very good, really enjoyable Friday night entertainment. I'll definitely check out, you know, at some point the third one and and the nun. And there's also another one called uh, Annabelle. Uh, oh yeah, uh, something yep. Annabelle awake. Annabelle comes home, which is and there's these different creatures and things that are in the background of movies. So like Annabelle is the doll from the first movie, and um, they've got a they've got another one planned after the third. So. You know, there's something in it, and Patrick Wilson is very, very convincing in his role uh, as as Ed. But for me, Lorraine Warren, played by Vera Farmiga, she is she's mm. exceptional. And she, I was having a look at her her sort of her track record. She is obsessed with the genre. She's she's in there in all sorts of horror type things, or like the Bates Motel. She's in a lot of dark type stuff, and she seems to really, really perform really well in them. Also a fantastic director, right? Like Jane Quinn. Yeah. Like he's, you know, obviously done Seven. He's been in Fast and the Furious. He's even done movies like Aquaman. Like he's got a, a pretty awesome back catalogue of movies. And I think, you know, with these movies, particularly in the in the horror genre, it never, like nothing often beats that first movie, right? Because that first one really gives you the kind of the spooky presence and the second one's always kind of building on it. But again, I think... All of the goods are there, and I think this is getting quite like even on IMDb, it's getting a seven point three. Like that's yeah. a a pretty solid score for a movie of this uh, genre. Yeah, no, definitely, and um, that one is available to watch on on Apple TV. And uh, yeah, don't be surprised to hear me come back with another one at some point in the future. Then sounds very good. And look, just for everyone out there, and for your sake, Paul. I, I just googled how do you how do you say the conjuring, and you're right. There is a pronunciation thing that says it's even got a K. Yeah, it's like the conjuring. Correct. I don't like it, <laughs> but I'll let you have it. <laughs> so that reminds me of a quote from someone. I don't like it. It's Lando. It's Lando from Solo Movie. He goes, I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but I accept it. It's that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. And then other end of the scale for my other watch then is a brand new movie this year, 2022 Netflix movie, Persuasion. And so, so this is, I think, like maybe the third or maybe the fourth, at least the third adaptation on the screen of the Jane Austen novel Persuasion, eight years after Anne Elliot was persuaded not to marry a dashing man of humble origins, they meet again. Will she seize her second chance at true love? Um, and so I've seen the TV adaptation, which I think was in early, not early 2000s or late nineties. This for me is very, very different. And, and I guess the thing that makes it most different is that rather than simply retell the story as a as a as a regular adaptation if you like this one does something which i always associate with with house of cards because i think it was where it was done the most effectively where it breaks the fourth wall and midway through your character talks to you the audience and i've always i've always found that a really interesting way to tell the story it's not the sort of thing i would expect to see in a period piece a drama a jane austen type novel and i think it was really effective. It's scoring quite middle of the road on um, Metascore, on IMDb, and I'm wondering if people didn't enjoy The Fourth Wall as much as I did because, um, for me, I don't think it deserves the the sort of you know the five point six out of ten rating that it's getting. I thought it was, I thought it was decent. You're a, you're a complicated man, Paul. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> like just the sort of jump from The Conjuring to this uh, th- this genre of movie. Not that it's a bad thing. It's just it's it, it's a very surprising jump. Like you haven't you haven't eased me into it. You've yeah. gone from you're going from extremes. Friday night movie, 
um, Saturday night movie of the week, Sunday night into persuasion. That's kind of the um, that's kind of the the vibe. And um, Dakota Johnson is is the lead in this as Anne Elliot. She's very good in the lead role. I thought she was very convincing. Although the character she plays feels like perhaps she should her character should in most adaptations should be sort of a, a younger person than Dakota Johnson is is perhaps playing it. But that was no real biggie. Um, Richard E. Grant was was very good as as the father um ben belly smith uh he has a, a really good role mr mr elliot played by henry golding very good the two of them together great on-screen chemistry i um i've watched a lot of these adaptations and miniseries this is one of them i've definitely enjoyed however my other big criticisms of this that it could have benefited from being a series and not like the 20 hours of for for all mankind of just you know last from last podcast but maybe like a three or four part miniseries just so you can really connect to the characters and then that way you feel a bit more tension um otherwise when it happens too quickly it's not as powerful because this this movie only runs for an hour and 47 and they're trying to create that whole uh, feeling of separation and longing and regret and whatever and then to bring them back it all happens very quickly I just want you to know, Paul, the ambulance is 30 minutes longer than this movie. <laughs> they should have swapped run times, and I think both of us would have no, com- well, maybe not no complaints, but less complaints for sure. Um, yeah, Dakota Johnson, very good. As I say, Richard E. Grant having a great time, this vanity-obsessed, money-obsessed father. Um, I'd say in a year when I've watched some very, very high-quality pure dramas, it may not be top of the pile next to like Gilded Age or Bridgerton, but it's definitely still worth a watch. And I think if if you're a fan of Jane Austen, this has to be on your radar. If you like this period type stuff, um, you may or may not like the fourth wall storytelling, but it's definitely worth checking out if, if you've got Netflix. Sounds interesting and a little bit different. Indeed it is. Dan, that is us. So we're we're through to our movie of the week now. Crikey, we are racing through. So each week, uh, Paul and I take turns choosing a different movie of the week, and we announce that movie in our Discord channel. And today, we are reviewing the movie The War Below. Yes, so this is a 2021 uh, movie, um, World War One, um, during which a group of British miners uh, were recruited to tunnel underneath no man's land and set bombs from below the German front in hopes of breaking the deadly stalemate of the battle that ensued there. And this is one that flew completely under the radar for me, Dan. I hadn't heard of it or seen it until it, you know, it came up for like sort of, I was like, Oh, what am I going to choose for me of the week and sort of flick through this one had completely escaped me. And so it was, I love a world war one movie because with respect, I see a lot of World War Two movies, but not so much World War One. Yeah, well, I I kind of feel like what the last big World War One movie we watched was probably nineteen seventeen, yep. um, and so this is probably a little bit more uh, low key as far as World War One movies go. And surprisingly, you know, we've talked a lot about movie length in this episode of the pod. This is only an hour 36. This is the ambulance. This is what they needed. I actually think this movie suffered from a little bit too rushed. And I kind of wanted to uh, get to know some of our characters a little bit more. So I guess, you know, they they pulled together this um, this team of um, tunnelers and and miners to basically dig under these trenches and, and set some bombs. And I feel like they really sort of tried to, um, create a, a strong connection with some of these characters and I just don't think they had they had time to do it so I, I often kind of found you know they had at the start of this movie these men that wanted to you know go and support the great war sign up for their duty weren't weren't able to for various reasons with the various ailments they have and then all of a sudden they were sort of being called in they were treated by like garbage by the by the military everyone's kind of horrible to them because they're not actual proper soldiers and Again, it just it felt like I didn't know enough about the characters to really kind of feel that empathetic connection to them. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I, I hate saying something like this when it's a war movie, particularly it's when it's about 
people as you say doing something brave doing something good for their country and you know something a true story that's paved the way for for life as we have it today but from a movie perspective i i felt like i actually felt like there wasn't enough story told here and and i mm-hmm. think that if that's the story that they're going to go with then they almost you know i would i would normally be saying oh you, well you need to reduce the runtime because there's not enough story there but you can't do that when it's already an hour and a half so my preference as you sort of said would be they needed to give us more about these characters before they went to war and i think i would have liked that because it would have given us even more of a connection to them in their lives at home and what it was like that they they had and what they were risking and what they were leaving behind so that we could just like I was saying about persuasion so you can have more of a connection to those characters to not that you didn't appreciate what they were doing or feel for them in, when times went bad in the in the trenches but um just just to really sort of resonate with what they had before and it's tough right because I think overall this is a you know like a, a well-made movie it's like good good effects good cast it, I, it just does feel to me like it would have been probably better as a mini series or you know kind of give us a three or four episode um, will be, as you say, I think it's just kind of knowing the context of those characters. And I think it's made worse by the fact that particularly, you know, we see this all the time in um, police and, and military shows where everyone's just so horrible to everyone. And I know it's kind of like different times, but like just the, 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 the distrust and the the negativity towards these people who are ultimately, you know, trying to do this, this thing to kind of turn the tide of war it, it just doesn't pay out when you don't know the characters well. And, you, and like you just said, we don't know what they're sacrificing at home. We don't know what it means for them to kind of have to step away from their families. We don't know that, you know, this person's actually only 20-something years old and this person's 30, and why does that actually yeah. matter and how they kind of deal with some of the, the traumas of war. There's a couple of things you said I'll pick up on. Firstly, that... I was also shocked by some of the elements of the story as well in terms of, like you said, the distrust and the um, the way that these uh, this group of miners, they weren't considered by some of the the army to be to be worthy to be included, to be worthy to wear the uniforms. They were they were seen to be uneducated. They were seen to be working class. And, you know, they made all of these characters, you know, northerners and talk like that you know and all the rest of it. Yeah, that, that, they, they weren't seen to be good enough and then i was even more shocked about when the two there was two of them i forget the names of the characters sorry that had that argument and fight and disrespect for a superior officer they were they were cuffed and hung up presumably for the night just unbelievable when we again when you think about what these people are actually doing for for the country and risking their own lives but i thought it was really good that they included scenes like that because that was what was happening well i think it's what's kind of the good thing about showing those scenes is and i know this like history doesn't you know show this and but it's often you know the the allied forces are the real good guys and they they do it but you know there's a lot of like a-holes throughout history on both sides of the fence and i think particularly uh the character that like i sort of almost felt for quite a bit was um tom goodman hill who played hellfire jack and he was a was he a colonel and he was getting or a captain and he was sort of who pulled the squad together and even he even he was getting grief from his superiors who had basically given him the job to pull this, you know, pull this group together. And it just, it, it seemed, it seemed outrageous yeah. considering what these, these people were sacrificing. And I think the other thing the movie, I think, misses out on is because of that tunneling. Like, that seemed like, like, where's all that dirt going? Yeah. How are they actually clearing all that space? Like, I was kind of interested in the, the logistics of how this was all working, but we didn't really see a lot of that. And I think even at the end when there's kind of these kind of like high tension scenes where, you know, the, the Germans and the and the British are just like so close to one another and they're trying to sort of set this trap. Like I, I wasn't as invested in it as I should have been because I didn't have all the story pieces. I, I, I like it, it, there was some bits missing. Yeah, no, you're right. And that sort of comes back to the, the other point I wanted to pick up on what you said before, and it would have been better as a miniseries. This, this movie had a budget of 500,000 
So very little to play with, I guess, which sort of... Ref- we can't even run this podcast. I, I know. How do they do this? They're running on a shoestring. You know, so this is this is not saving Private Ryan or a big Hollywood type movie. This is a smaller project with a lower budget. I thought they did a good job given the scale of the budget. But as you said, um, the, the, the dirt that they must have been tunneling, we would come into scenes where they'd say, this is going to take us months. And then suddenly it would jump to... Right, we're right underneath the Germans. Like th- that's too big a jump. That's why we're only looking at ninety-six mu- minute runtime because we're not seeing enough. We're just seeing little, a couple of sandbags coming through now and then, and we needed more of the of the that effort and that the the sheer the the effort, the sheer unbelievable means that they did to to, to do that was just and and along the way, of course, they're having. Um, it crashed down on them, you know, what do you call it, cave-ins. And so, yeah, so I think there was definitely an opportunity to, to have a bit more of of, of that story. The, the I, Like you, I thought Hellfire Jack's uh, Tom Goodman Hill, I thought he was really, really good. Um, the, I, I also enjoyed uh, Tom Goodman Hill, uh, not Tom Goodman Hill, what was, his, what was the other guy's name? Uh, Sam Hazeldean. Yeah, sorry, Sam. He was yeah. So Tom Goodman Hill, he was the the officer, and I've only ever seen him before in Humans TV series. The rest of the cast, I actually didn't recognise, which was kind of refreshing in some ways. But yeah, it definitely had that sort of um, lower lower budget feel, which um, which I thought they played well. I, that's. I'm going to go real off topic. Humans, I've been thinking about that TV show a lot recently and I remember started watching the first season when it first came out and I've been like, what was that show yeah. called? Who was in it? What? A, like, I need to go and like, now you've, he, you've put He was Joe Hawkins. Yeah, he was the, um, yeah, the main right. guy. Yeah. Um, Three seasons? Yeah, I, I seem to, just really off topic, I remember really enjoying the first season. Second season wasn't quite so good and, and I think I never got, I don't know where the third season, why it didn't crop back up somehow. Mm, mm, interesting. Anyway, that's closed the closed the loop in the memory. But yeah, I think this is a, actually a, a tough movie almost to score because, on one hand, I think there's you know lots of kind of like it, they could have done things better. Yeah. But I think when you think about the budget they had, I actually think they did, they did a really that's good it. job. I think it's 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 probably just sort of the the story, the storytelling kind of. Uh, framing and structure that we're kind of missing like it like it was there like you kind of got the sense of yeah okay so this is sort of this is what's happening now okay yep this jump happens but yeah i think you know imagine what they could have done with another 500 oh, exactly right also i love the way they talked back in this time so like if they were gonna say something and they were getting really quite angry about it they still would not swear to any huge event they would just be like whatever you do make sure you don't bugger it up for goodness sake you know they were like very i love that sort of early very early 20th century um just poshness of of the soldier it's uh it's it's all very good yeah it is it's 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 such a different time isn't it it really actually got me just thinking about um i think war in general and it you know you think a lot of the you know, in some of the early scenes where there's various generals and sort of colonels and they're having meetings and, you know, they're, they're, you know, they already look like they're 60, 70 themselves. Yeah. Like their war experience would be very different to going into trench warfare of World War One and kind of what they're basing a lot of their approach and, and sort of mindset around. And it was the biggest, still remains the biggest, biggest explosion from an underground bomb during wartime, uh, I believe. And, you know, that based on these true events, it was, 10,000 soldiers that were killed after the detonation of that bomb that they placed at no man's land. I mean, no wonder what's his name was there for ages saying, Oh, just one more charge. Just one more. There was, there was so much stuff. It's a miracle. They actually managed to achieve it back, uh, you know, a hundred years ago. Mm. And you guys, a real turning, turning point in the war as well. That's right. That's right. That's, that's why this is the story deserves to be told well. And um, yeah, if only it was given a, a bit more budget and a bit more time. Next time, let's do a whoop around. Indeed. Um, but yeah, that one is The War Below, available to watch here in New Zealand on Neon. What are you going to give it, Paul, on the uh, the Guns Akimbo scale? So this is one of those ones where I, I give the rating based on the the budget it had and, and what they did with that. I 
I, I'm going to go with three guns. I think that feels fair to me. Yeah, I think three guns. But I think with this new information, three guns is is a fair a fair summary for this one. Yeah. And um, where I, I think I know the answer to this question, Dim, and I'll ask anyway. What what's your pick of the week of everything you've brought in this week? Uh, I think for me it's got to be the boys. I think I just had so much fun. I had a lot of laughs. Good story. Great cast. Can't go past it. As I say, if you if you've got Prime Video and you are looking for a fun new take on superheroes, this could be the one for you. Yeah, and I think for me it will definitely have to be the return of Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga as Ed and Lorraine Warren. See what I did there? I managed to avoid the title of my show, um, uh, of the movie. Um, but yeah, no, that for me is uh, just just the most fun. When I think back on everything I've watched, just it was just a real, real good time. Awesome. Shall I jump us on over to the news desk? What do you have, Mister Wedding King? Well, as often happens on the news desk these days, uh, the unfortunate passing of uh, a very famous uh, actress in the the Star Trek realm, uh, Nichelle Nichols, um, who is much loved in the Star Trek community, has passed away at the age of eighty nine. Yeah, she uh, she was the she was the first Star Trek uh, cast member that I ever met. Um, I've only met a couple, and uh, I met her in ninety five at the the Generations Convention at the Royal Albert Hall, um, which was the Next Generation cast that were on stage for the weekend for the two days, but she was releasing her autobiography at the time, and she was doing book signings in between the, in between I think it was the uh, Patrick Stewart and Brent Spiner interviews or something over lunch or something, and I for I sort of went without any lunch to queue up for the opportunity to to meet her, and yeah, really sad. Um, she did so much as well outside of her own sort of acting career mm-hmm. she, in terms of her work for NASA in terms of recruiting um, female astronauts and a lot of the things that have been sort of depicted in For All Mankind, funnily enough, I've been watching recently, just but in real life she's she was she was doing it big time. Mm. Very sad. Um, but I guess on the eighty nine is is not a not a bad that's age. Right. Yeah, so um, what else have we got here? So the Breaking Bad statues have officially been revealed. We talked about these before in the news desk. So these are uh, bronze statues of Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. They're currently in the Albuquerque Convention Center. Uh, you can jump online and, and see photos of them. I don't know if you've seen them, Paul. They're pretty amazing. Yeah. It, they would be an awesome statue to go and get a, a little photo with. And there's there's some great photos on online of uh, Brian Cranston. Um, you know, standing with standing with these these statues and and what an amazing thing to have a statue of. And I think you know, just a town embracing the the Breaking Bad culture, incredible. It it deserves at the very least these statues and um, legendary characters. I feel. Jimmy McGill, Saul Goodman deserves deserves to be uh, to, to be uh, also created into a statue somehow. Oh, definitely. You you could see he'd he'd easily make a another another great sort of statue alongside them. Where does it end though? You know, there's there's so many opportunities. Oh, let's not go down that Where's Hill? Justice Where's Mike? Indeed, <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got to have Mike. Um, also, we've got I guess. Good and and bad bad news on the Star Wars front. So, uh, Star Wars Ander has been delayed until the twenty first of September. Um, it was previously going to be coming out at the end of the month on the thirty first of August, uh, but instead they are going to give us three episodes instead of two at launch, which is, you know, pretty exciting. But it's a, I don't know about you, Paul. I'm I'm a little bit sad I have to wait, but at the same time, it's. It's okay. We'll let it slide this time. We've had a good run of a lot of content lately over the last few weeks, and I feel like Obi Wan wasn't that long ago. So, when you think about the length of time between Obi Wan and Andor, it's mm. a fair wait. Yeah, that's right. And I think you know, in a way, this does kind of lead us more into the the holiday season almost. Yeah. So, and look, 
there's good there's normally good rationale and reasoning for these things and i'm sure this extra time will allow just some some finishing touches as well plus aligned to the wider disney release schedule they've got they've got a lot of new content coming out so i imagine there's lots of juggling all the time it's just i think unfortunate to be this late in the game to be shifting it out almost another month Uh, what else have we got so sylvester salone um, he is extremely unhappy, Paul. Extremely unhappy. So there is going to be a. We've already got the Creed spinoff from the Rocky series. Now there's going to be a spinoff, uh, basically on uh, Dolph Lundgren and uh, and uh, Victor Drago and the whole sort of the side of the story. And apparently, Sylvester Stallone didn't even know that the spinoff was happening. Dolph Lundgren didn't even tell him. He's upset. He's calling the studio parasites for kind of milking the franchise for all it's worth. There was talk of Sylvester Stallone wanting to come back and sort of do another movie, but if all of this information is true, I would imagine he'll be pretty done with this franchise by the end of this. I thought for a second you were going to say there was talk that Sylvester Stallone was going to take Dolph Lundgren into the ring to settle it once and for all. (laughs) Amazing. Indeed. Indeed. Um, so high drama in the, the Rocky Sylvester Stallone world. Uh, we have got a release date for season six of Rick and Morty, and it looks like it's going to have a, a, a global release uh, on September 4th. Oh, wow. So uh, about a month away. Um, looking forward to more Rick and Morty. It's always a, a fun time. Real fun time. What else have we got here? Uh a couple of other little bits of news. So there was talk about a, a Batgirl movie being made at one point, and apparently that the film has sort of been developed and a, a bit of it's been shot. It's now been shelved indefinitely because the movie it did not work. So unfortunate for those people that are, are fans of Batgirl. I do actually wonder over at DC, this is probably throwing a little bit of shade, but things are a bit all over the place, I think, in, in the DC space. And I wonder whether, you know, they've got some TV shows happening, not connected to their main universe. You've got dramas with Aquaman. You've got all sorts of stuff happening. Probably, unfortunately, I don't know, it's, it's tough, I think. It, it would be interesting to kind of see, you know, characters like um, like Batgirl get her own movie, but I don't know if necessarily the... The, the legwork's been put into the, the wider universe. So that is on, on hold for it's now. It's extraordinary that they're shelving it and it won't go on any platform because for me, I I guess I'm going to sound a little bit pretentious here, but I, I think it was always going to be a B, a B movie, a B TV. So whatever it ended up, it was always going to be a bit of a B, you know? Um, but I love the look of it because it had a real Adam West Batgirl. <laughs> you're, a bit, you're a bit of a B. <laughs> a bit of, bit yeah, of a, that, yeah. And I just thought that was... I thought that gave it an opportunity just to have a little bit more fun with it rather than attempting to do what some of the, some of, because some of the DC, you know, I love DC, but the DC TV series are a little bit, a um, little bit kiddie, sometimes a little bit B grade. Um, like I think I remember watching the first two seasons of Supergirl and it was okay, but it was always Saturday night tea time kiddie stuff and it is okay, but it just, yeah. I think, again, probably going to get some hate for this, but it feels like a lot of the the DC TV shows feel like they they are made for TV the way we used to watch TV, not the way that we watch, uh, we stream things these days. So it feels a little bit out of sync with yep. um, the the level, the quality, the, the storytelling that we expect. And then final bit of news from me, one of the greatest movies ever to be made, Paul, from 1989, Roadhouse, starring Patrick Swayze, is getting a remake with Jake Gyllenhaal, who you may remember from the Ambulance movie. I feel like I'm having deja vu. I had this conversation with someone else today who sent this to me, and they were like, I cannot tell you how excited I am. I had this on VHS as a kid, and I... Roadhouse! I'm going to shock you as I shocked this person who told me the news. Never seen it. Looked at the front cover of it. Doesn't interest me at all. Looks like a mix of Footloose and Cocktail. Hold on. Hold on there, pal. Sam Elliott. Yeah, I know. I've had... Patrick Swayze. Amazing. And there's a, there's a Family Guy episode where Peter Griffin walks around sort of saying roadhouse to people, and I think he he might sort of knock them out or something. But there's – it's honestly – it's it's a terrible movie, <laughs> but it's great. Like, it's a it's a great end of the 80s movie. And, like, you know, it's, it's a pretty light story, like, Patrick Swayze, he's a bouncer at a at a, a bar, beats people up. What more can you want from a movie? I'm going to have another one of my Bill Pullman moments. Patrick Swayze, not for me, never convinced. 
<laughs> um, we you can't talk like that about Patrick Swayze. Um, okay, that that's it for the news test for me. Anything you'd like to add? <laughs> that's terrible. That you should never talk badly of the dead. Um, no, I uh, <laughs> only that a movie that I was looking forward to um, a Guy Ritchie movie, Bullet Train. Um, you know, with Brad Pitt. So you got you've got a title like Bullet Train. You've got Guy Ritchie directing. You've got Brad Pitt. And all the reviews I'm seeing, and I haven't been reading them, but just looking at them, are all scoring one star, two star. And it's just a Guy Ritchie movie, like a Tarantino movie, doesn't come along very often. So we'll be interested to see if these reviews are in line with the Half Measures review when we get to watch this movie, Dan, because Guy Ritchie seldom disappoints. I don't like to hear bad things about Guy Ritchie Paul, and I've I've been seeing some of these reviews come in as well. Um, some, you know, sort of around the, the six or seven out of ten, so it kind of maybe maybe it could be okay. Maybe it's because I think there is a bit of a, you know, I think critics give things a much harder time than you know than average people like us, Paul. Uh, general public people like us, right? <laughs> yeah, general public. Yep, that's us. <laughs> um... And the only other thing I was going to quickly mention was that on the back of our um, review of Star Trek Strange New Worlds last week and how much we both enjoyed it, um, Rotten Tomatoes released a, a ranking of all the Star Trek TV series based on you know the Rotten Tomatoes score. And Strange New Worlds is sitting top of the table, right at the top. It's got a 99% rating at the moment. That may be quite fresh at the moment because it's obviously quite new, but it's not just us who are enjoying this TV show. So that was good. I've been walking around at work, Paul, just like with big Star Trek energy, being like, oh, you've seen Strange New Worlds? Oh, you've seen Strange New Worlds? Like just, you know, trying to start Star Trek conversations with people. There's a lot of Star Trek fans who haven't seen it yet. I don't know why they're not giving it a go. I seem to work with a lot of people who don't watch or like any Star Trek. So it's a tough time. It's tough pickings at my work. But uh, that, that's why you need to watch Roadhouse. You know how to deal with these situations. Oh, they all have Roadhouse. What can I tell you? Um <laughs> Um, I'll just um, pop us over to mailbag then. There's two two highlights for me this week, really. Firstly, um, Ren Schmidt, who plays an awesome character from For All Mankind, Margot Madison. She play, she's the flight director at Houston in For All Mankind. She shared our review on Twitter. That was that was awesome because, I've, like I was saying, I feel like I've been on a, a journey with her character for like two decades in these last two seasons. So that was awesome. And um, as if that wasn't enough, um, over on Instagram, Dan, uh, we had our Star Trek Strange New Worlds review uh, shared by Melissa Navia, um, who you and I both shouted out as one of our favorite characters as Erica um, Ortigas, uh, the, uh, the the helms on the, at the helm of the Enterprise. So she added our review to her personal Instagram story, which is always a, a nice little nice little touch, I think. Um, what else have I got here? So peak performance, Billy Bob Thornton last week, Dan. Uh, a lot of love. A lot of love for Fargo. Um, we had Nat in Wellington went with Fargo and the man who wasn't there. Also a shout out for Bad Santa. Um, he said, in short, any connection to the Coens. Um, we had um, Jill Holly came through with Fargo as 100% her choice. We had um, John, uh, John from somewhere in the States, go with Fargo, unbelievably good, how he played that role. Bad Santa, one of my absolute favorite movies, uh, as his dark comedy, was untouchable. Anything he's in is superb. And This Christmas, Paul, yeah, we've got to get Bad I feel Santa like it's the, for the movie of the right, week. It's the last part of the year. It's going to have to be movie of the week. Um, and then who else have we got here? Of course, we have um, Paddy. He came through with his three, two, one of Pushing Tin, Armageddon, and The Alamo, um, which uh, is is another one that I don't know, to be honest with you, Dan. I don't know if I've watched that. I, don't, I think I feel like I need to get that on my list. Yeah, it's not one I'm familiar with. No. So, um, so, yeah, so that is the mailbag this week, Dan. 
Very good. Shall we jump on into our peak performances? Let's go. Uh, so every week, like Movie of the Week, Dan and I take it in turns to pick someone from the movie TV industry and look back at their career and try and pick out what we think is their number one. Uh, this week, Dan, we have Angelina Jolie. This is an interesting one, Paul. Very interesting. So um, interesting little connection to Billy Bob Thornton from our yes, last week performance. Right. Little romantic interest. Um, I kind of like Angelina Jolie's got a huge back catalogue of films, but I actually really struggled to have some real like jump out kind of moments. You know, with some actors and actresses, you can really just kind of that's this is the ones. And so I've kind of found myself going for more movies that I really enjoyed uh, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Rather than ones that necessarily are, I think necessarily the the, the best ever. And so the the honourable mention I'm going to go with first is 2010's Salt. So this is the movie where Angelina Jolie basically is a, a CIA agent who goes on the run after a defector accuses her of being a Russian spy. And it's kind of one of those cat and mouse Russian spy movies. I feel like we've seen it a a million times in sort of different genres, but I thought you know. Angelina Jolie, I think, is, is a fantastic uh, action woman, and we get some some great kind of uh, scenes from her when when she plays those roles. And I always remember having a great time with Salt. It wasn't necessarily the the highest scoring movie, but I I believed I believed that she was kind of this um, double agent um, playing people and great cast, interesting plot. Would recommend. But for my peak performance, Paul. I can't go past it. This this definitely was always going to be my number one, regardless. It's two thousands gone in sixty seconds. Now I and I what I can't work out, and I've been really trying to think about this. Is it just is it the gone in sixty seconds? Like, I feel like this was the end of the Nicolas Cage era <laughs> of awesomeness, and well, you know it was it was around this time. And I just remember you know a very very young Angelina Jolie in this movie um, as Sway. And just sort of being the real kind of like sidekick and, and awesome wing person to, to Nicolas Cage and helping him sort of pull off this amazing sort of car heist. And it just really always sort of stood out for me as a, as a great Angelina Jolie movie and a, and a great movie that has been far too long since I've seen. I feel like it was maybe the, the first movie I saw her in actually. Now that I can think, I know, I know she did The Bone Collector and obviously Pushing Ten that we were just talking about before. Uh, and Girl Interrupted, so three big movies before that. But I feel like this was the first one I can remember seeing her in. Uh, good choices, Dan. My choices, there's just two years between the two of them. Uh, I always find that interesting how that works for me. The honourable mention for me was actually 2008's Wanted, um, uh, opposite James McAvoy and Morgan Freeman. Um, she plays the sort of the the expert assassin, but she's got a really sort of quick wit, good sense of humor, really well cast in that role. Actually, funny you should say, because uh, the Gone in 60 Seconds, I feel like there was an element of Gone in 60 Seconds about the role that she played in that, the way, you know, sort of like the way she was driving the car, the getaway car, whatever it might be. Um, I just thought her and James McAvoy together were, were very, very good. Um, but I have actually gone with 2010 Salt as my peak performance and oh, and this was my just like you with uh 60 seconds i knew um because it was billy bob thorne that made me think oh yeah we should do angelina as soon as i thought of it i was like oh yeah it's definitely salt because for me salt is an absolute mystery as to how it never got a sequel because i think it did everything it needed to to warrant a sequel and i reckon that there must be a story of some sort there, which i've been too lazy to look into but i think there has to be because there was enough story enough uh interest um as you said that sort of double agent the the stunts the the action and yes something you said around oh we've seen it a hundred times and maybe that was part of it like oh it's nothing new but i just found there is a lot in here in this and it's it's iconic for me the 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 look and feel of this movie i love it if memory serves, doesn't this actually end on a on a twist where it kind of like you know it kind of leaves you questioning who is her allegiance actually to? I uh, I don't know. I would be lying if I agreed with you. I can't. You you could very well be right. Roadhouse. Yeah. Like <laughs> stop saying this, 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 <laughs> <laughs> this is 
this is great. Actually, even just looking at you know, um, Liv Schreiber, like fantastic. I, I I love him as a character. I I could watch this movie again. It's it's been far too long, and I think sometimes we don't have enough of these types of movies. And it probably feels a bit rich for me saying that having just you know spent twenty minutes slamming the ambulance <laughs> off, you know, being all been all, all gas and no story but I think there's 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 a sweet spot with these movies eh, where they they tell a good story you're kind of intrigued um they're real tight on what's kind of happening with the the action the plot they kind of balance it all quite well and there's just there's not enough of these types of movies now with these kind of real big act- actors and actresses yeah that's right and and yeah Lee Schreiber opposite just together really 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 good and just that old school action. I feel like there's something, this was at the, the the precipice of CGI really turning into sort of like, we're still watching some old school stunts and we don't, we just don't see as much of it these days. And I thought that she had a, just a really iconic look in this movie as well. So yeah, that's me wanted and salt. Good chat, Paul. Well, uh, that probably brings us to the end of uh, another episode of the, half missions podcast it does indeed uh thanks for listening in do get in touch let us know your peak performance for angelina jolie um or if you've got something to say about uh the boys something you liked didn't like about the war below get in touch at halfmeasurespodcast.com or on our social media also, a very special thank you to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting-King, Trisha Brady, Diana Kanawa, and Linda Tevner. We couldn't do it without you. If you too would like to become a Patreon producer, then you can find those details in the show notes below. We probably do need your help because I imagine Samara Whiting-King may not be a Patreon producer after this week's episode. But until next week, everyone, adios.